Dear listeners, you tuned into Faces of Digital Health, a podcast on how digital technologies are improving and healing global healthcare. I'm your host, Tiasha Zaitz, and today I have for you a recording of a panel discussion on blockchain in healthcare, which took place at the South by Southwest Festival in Austin during the Future for Health conference at South by Southwest. You will hear about some interesting ongoing blockchain projects in healthcare, such as the CDC attempts to use blockchain in epidemiology, or the Austin program using blockchain to track medical records of chronically ill homeless people. More in the following minutes. I already had two episodes on blockchain in healthcare in this podcast. First one being episode 14 of the Medicine Today on Digital Health podcast, as this show was named before January 2018. This episode was recorded with a professor Nadia Thibault Daikun and is a go-to episode for those completely new to blockchain. We talked about the basic understanding and capabilities of this new technology. And then there is episode 23 of Medicine Today on Digital Health, where the focus was on explaining why blockchain is not the solution for interoperability in healthcare. Now to today's debate. You will hear Michael Dillion, the founder of HealthBank, Samson Williams, partner at Access and Eggs and board member at the DC Department of Health, and Eugene Barakovich, Global Health of Digital Health Incubation and Innovation at Bayer. Enjoy the debate and do take a minute to rate the podcast, write a review in iTunes so more people interested in digital health space can find this content. Let's share the knowledge together. Let me just introduce my speakers. Michael Dillion is um, a co-founder of HealthBank. And he's going to tell us more about what patient data is worth and how we can incorporate blockchain in that. Then we have Samson Williams, who is a partner of crypto mining company. He is also an anthropologist and epidemiologist, so a perfect mix of blockchain and healthcare. And then we have Eugene Barakovich. He is the global uh, head of Bayer's Digital Innovation and he is uh, very closely following all that is happening with the digital health startups so he can tell us what he has been convinced uh, about when it comes to blockchain in healthcare so far. So may I just add that, yes, we have a bunch of very decentralized people here. Uh, all these men are all over the place. I actually met Samson uh, a few days ago in Dubai. Um, so, uh, Michael is American, but is a Swiss resident and Eugene, yeah, exactly. <laughs> we don't even know. <laughs> okay. So let's start with Eugene. Um, tell me when it comes to digital health and blockchain, what have you seen so far? All right. So, uh, I know everybody's going to want to hear that blockchain is going to save the world and enhance everybody's lives. Um, you know, I, I'm looking at it, uh, very simplistically. Um, and just so you guys know, um, I actually, my, my interaction with blockchain, I mined them seven years ago. I have 2.3, uh, bitcoins somewhere in my account, um, that I cannot seem to reset, um, with Coinbase being down half the time. So that's my interaction. But, you know, for me, it's actually around, um, you know, us, the consumers. And if you think about seven, 
billion people in the world, with Coinbase having about 7 to 10 million accounts. We got a long way to go, right? And I look at it um, kind of in two ways. How do we get the system working better, quicker, with more security? And on the other side, how do we incentivize people to actually take care of their health? Um, I don't know how many of you guys know uh, Michael Saras. He's an e-patient. And one of the things he said was, you know, once you're diagnosed with something, you're going to take care of your health, right? You're going to rip into it. But for the masses, for the mass people that are healthy and not thinking about it, whether it's Bitcoin and you're going to get, you know, 0.001 of a Bitcoin, I don't think it's going to matter today. So I'm curious to hear others. But uh, some interesting examples I saw is um, something like Robomed, where they actually have 9,000 patients, you know, 2 million, I think, uh, they started in Russia. And patients are actually uh, paying on outcomes. So I think they already transacted about 2 million. So I thought that was actually pretty interesting um, as a use case. I mean, there's DocCheck um, that are really trying to shake this up, this up a, a bit. I won't mention, uh, you know, I'll let Michael speak for himself there. So uh, Maybe just before we continue, of course, I uh, forgot to introduce myself. My name is Tiasha Zaitz. <laughs> uh, I am the author of a podcast called Faces of Digital Health. I had two episodes on blockchain already. And Irio, the thing that is written be, uh, just after my name is actually a blockchain in healthcare uh company and we are working with refugee camps in the Middle East to enable refugees to have their uh, medical records on their uh, mobile phones. So um, uh, just to clarify a bit, how many of you own a cryptocurrency? Okay, so a few. So how many of you would say that you understand what blockchain is? Okay, so we have quite a good understanding, let's say. Depends on which level, though. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah, so that's why I think maybe uh, it's not a bad idea to start with the question. Uh, Samson, if you can explain a bit, how does blockchain apply to healthcare? Uh, I think that uh, blockchain applies to healthcare. It starts off with identity, meaning who is this person in front of me? Because if you don't know who that person is, you won't have a medical record or anything else attached to it. So the fundamentals for me always start with having blockchain for identity and then building up from there to do patient records, uh, billing, um, long-term care tracking. And I think that what blockchain has done in general is started the conversation of why don't I own my data, uh, which, which is the first and foremost, because now that I know this is me, why don't I actually own my data? Uh, my partner, she went to get a... Uh, her, eye, her prescription for her glasses, and she had to sign a form, fax it to them, sign it. It took like three weeks, and she just wanted her prescription, which she's already paid for, but they wouldn't give it to her. And so I look at once you identify the person, they are who they say they are, then whatever, whether it's your prescription for your glasses or your medical records, that should go with you just as simply as your Fitbit does. You touched upon an important topic, which is the ownership and the value of health data. And Michael is perfect to, to talk about that here, as your company is called Health Bank. So that implies you're holding something. Tell us more. Yeah, so that, that's, that was always an interesting, when we decided to call it Health Bank, um, way back in 2013, we were sitting around in a... Um, uh, a boardroom at the uh, ETH, which is a university in Zurich, and we were thinking, gosh, how could we give a sense of what the value proposition of health data is? And we came up with 
Health Bank. Now, we should have done a little more Googling because it turns out that's an actual concept versus a brand. But um, Switzerland is not known for being uh, the marketing mecca of the world. So, um, but we went forward with it because we wanted to imbue a sense of trust. And I think that's a good segue to, uh, and value uh, to, to, to the blockchain discussion. You know, in 2013, when we first started talking about it, I was standing on a stage saying, let's build a platform that's like the Visa model, but not for finance, but for healthcare data. I, I got a lot of people scratching their heads, basically saying, yeah, so what? And the so what is, again, if I'm not sick, it's hard to prove value. It, you know, the Neil Patterson, who's the uh, former CEO of Cerner, um, you know, and unfortunately passed away here recently. Um, before he passed away, he had a lot of epiphanies about what that company did and why it was important for people to have their data and why they should break down those barriers and why it should be moved out of just being sick and, and thinking about your data and running around with lots of uh, paper documents and moving those from place to place. So again, Health Bank looked at how can we create value there, not just for sick people, but for everyone, because we want to reduce the cost of healthcare while keeping the quality the same or, heaven forbid, better. And, you know, it's, it's the $64,000 question. We're, here we are in, in 2018. Um, I'm happy to report we've taken an, uh, another nice round of funding. Health Bank is doing well. But I think in general, let's say the, 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 the hidden part of this whole discussion is where exactly is the value proposition? We now have a trust vehicle with blockchain, but where is the value? I mean, how do we, do we give people money for this? Do we give them financial incentives? Do we lower premiums and insurance? Or do we do what really seems to drive things in this healthcare paradigm for non-sick people? And that is, you appeal to their vanity. Hey, if you take care of yourself, you'll have, like for me, uh, maybe less wrinkles or gray hair or something along those lines. Forget about not having cancer. So I would, I, I think to this question is where is the value? The value is in treating this idea less like a science experiment and more like a marketing piece. And that's perfect for this conference and for this setting for South by Southwest. So. Eugene, you follow closely the discussions in healthcare around patient data and uh, the big issues around uh, ownership of that data because doctors are on the one hand a bit of afraid of patients having the, the main word about uh, who accesses their data or potentially even changing their data. So what kind of discussions have you seen so far around empowering patients more when it comes to that? Um, you know, so I, I guess part of this, uh, and I'm looking back, you know, during the Google Health days, um, you know, Microsoft Health Vault, you know, it's been, I guess, over a decade. Uh, yeah, yeah. We, we can keep going, right? Um, there's been a lot of efforts around patient engagement or consumer engagement and self-care. I think a lot of this has to come down to a trigger in your head that you really want to be preventative, right? I mean, we all know we shouldn't be drinking tons of beers at night or smoking cigarettes, and then we still do it, right? Um, so I think, um, and there's been a lot of arguments and discussions around open notes, right, here in U.S., right? Um, can you let the patients see the notes? Uh, from my perspective, absolutely. I want to see. I want that transparency. And that's why I'm a little bit challenging uh, um, around the blockchain piece because I don't know 
if blockchain is the savior until we start changing people's mindsets. And certainly, I think, you know, if I look at the younger generation, I look at my girls, um, you know, 13 and 15, they're, they're getting there. They want to eat nutritious food. They want to exercise. They want to do things differently, right? They're understanding. They're seeing, you know, my wife was diagnosed with breast cancer. My father-in-law passed away from pancreatic. So as they're seeing this and how can you get more preventative? So a lot of those discussions is at the end of the day, we do need to own our data. We do need to own that trigger in our head that we want to get well, right? Heal ourselves, but also prevent things. So I, you know, I hope I answer the question and if there's, Others coming from the audience, but I, I'm skeptical, not in a sense of the technology itself, but I'm skeptical of the human mind shift. Yeah, this is a perfect uh, time for, for Samson to, to walk us through a bit on uh, where do you see like the best use cases for blockchain uh, in healthcare? The Center for Disease Control is already working on some uh, pilot projects with blockchain. Um, what else do you think is the thing to go to? Uh, I forgot to give a disclaimer. So I, I, I'm on the institutional review board for the DC Department of Health. So if you get any funds from DC Department or from the federal government in DC, don't ask me a question about your project. Thank you. Um, but the CDC is tracking right now for epidemiology, for epidemiology, uh, infectious disease response, to a way of tracking where, where hot zones are, are happening and being able to share that with researchers around the world on blockchain. I just spoke to. John Howard Jr. He's the government affairs and policy uh, director here for Dell Computers. And so Bloomberg gave the city of Austin $100,000 to start tracking their homeless population uh, health records on blockchain because there's about a thousand chronically homeless people here in uh, the Austin city limits, but they know there's only about 30 who is that hockey stick where the first 970 are right there, the last 30 are for the hockey stick of cost. And so they're looking at moving their medical records so that whenever that person shows up, they have something very similar to this. This is actually a cryptocurrency wallet. But they have something similar to this where their whole medical record goes with them wherever they're at. Because at the end of the day, with blockchain, it's not going to be a cure for everything, but it's a means of addressing some of the problems that uh, society has, that healthcare has to help reduce some of the costs and push forward some efficiencies and hopefully not create a new barrier or to accessing health because we already have so many at-risk populations that are underserved for so many historical reasons. So this is a good project from Bloomberg, the city of uh, Austin and Dell hospital here who are using blockchain to track uh, medical records for chronically homeless people. You, t- you touched upon a, a very uh, important thing, which is um, blockchain is not going to solve uh, everything. And when it comes to healthcare, there's a lot of misconceptions around what blo- blockchain can achieve. One of them being interoperability, which is um, basically rooted in the way data is written in the first place, not how it's connected uh, to, to each other. So if I speak Slovene and uh, Michael speaks uh, Chinese, you know, we can talk on the phone, we're connected, but we still won't understand each other. So maybe, Michael, um, where do you see are the biggest um, misconceptions or the false understanding of what blockchain can actually achieve and what not? Because it's not a silver bullet for everything. Right, right. So, hi, Orho. Um, if, every, if, every, if you have a checklist and there's two columns and one's hype and one's hope, 
definitely firmly write this part in the hype uh, column. Blockchain is not, first of all, blockchain is not a platform. Blockchain is not the new internet. Um, blockchain is a tool. And it's a, a variation of a tool that we've been using for a long time or a set of tools around PGP. Um, blockchain does not help facilitate movement of large bits of data and large data sets. Where do we have large data sets? Hmm, let me think. Um, uh, yeah, uh, your medical records. What blockchain does in the hope part, as Samson had said and, um, and Eugene as well, is it separates out patient identity from the patient information. And that's really key when you're thinking about how could we use this tool to make our systems more efficient. So drug serialization, where you're trying to track the a drug in the supply chain process, that's a good place. Med device industry in Europe, we're going to have a, a, a big problem in 2020. We, if you're a med de device maker, um, Europe, the EU has uh, decided that um, they want you to be able to look down the entire value chain, supply chain, use chain of med devices when this data comes off the med device. That's a good place for blockchain. Revenue cycle management. If you're if you run a healthcare practice and you're trying to figure out how to um, have a more a better um, uh, more efficient system with your insurers, basically get paid. That's a good place for blockchain. But so the hope is is in these areas where we spend a lot of time and effort separating identity from uh, the actual information itself, and where we spend a lot of time and effort um, thusly doing audits and things along those lines. The hype, for sure, uh, unless we look at very specific cases, say greenfield cases, is around anything involving storage of data because it, without getting into all the you know, technical details, I'm happy to talk about it afterwards. Uh, you know, think about blockchain is, is not what you want to use. It's a pointer system for content addressable data stores. There you go. There's something geeky. Blockchain has the potential to uh, improve coordination in care. That's one thing. Because you also don't store data on the blockchain. So, um, Samson, one thing that we discussed was the potential of blockchain use for medical research. Uh, I've, so... We have a mutual friend, his name is Sean Mann, and he runs a company called Science Distributed. And so he, we talk about blockchain for medical research in the terms of uh, faster, faster research, I'm sorry, better science, cheaper research, faster miracles. Uh, right now, it takes 17 years to go from bench to bedside for most treatments and cures. And so the better research is if you have your research on, on a blockchain uh that's shared, that's distributed, multiple people can work on the same problem. So if you're studying cancer, if you're studying protein folding, everyone in this room can dedicate hours to doing that and get credit for what you're doing. And so later, similar to how when you hear a song play on the radio, there's a royalty that gets paid out. There's a way we think and we're working towards of making that happen so that everyone in this room is incentivized to work on a, a treatment or a cure for a particular disease. So the other thing I wrote in my phone, now it's gone to black screen, is you mentioned it earlier, is that where I came from the world of finance. I used to work at a small company called Fannie Mae doing mortgage stuff. I've heard of that. <laughs> yes. And so I'm only secretly a public health uh, fan. Is public health and health in general can do a little bit better job of thinking about how they can monetize their research and how they can monetize their passion. Because at the end of the day, 
I think that all of digital transformation in fintech, it's actually a customer service battle, meaning I want it cheaper, faster, and easier to access whatever it is that I'm accessing. And so there's so much opportunity in the healthcare space and the health space in general and the medical research space because right now, none of you really have access to your healthcare. You know it exists, but you in no way actually own it. And so that's a huge gap. And I think that that's where one of the opportunities where blockchain and just entrepreneurs in the space can help address that gap. Can I take an ad hoc piece off of that? Uh, since um, we have the esteemed, uh, uh, we have, well, all of our panelists are esteemed, but this gentleman from Pharma at the end who I know fairly well. Tell me, tell me Eugene, to, to Samson's point, how are you, how's, how's Pharma? See, I think the big hope is pharma is always looking to get closer to patients and clinicians. It's on every single big life science, publicly traded life sciences lobby. We want to be the patient. How is pharma leveraging blockchain and clinical research and, you know, um, LOE research, post-market research with EMR for blockchain? Okay, I set it up. So er early, 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 right? Because I think part of this is if I look at kind of health and care ecosystem, you know, health and wellness, ACOs, hospitals, you know, everybody has the direct uh, contact with the patients, with the consumers. Pharma and the regulatory component, the data is siloed through the clinical trials. So I think there's a lot of opportunities. And we were looking even on our OTC side, um, you know, uh, from uh, back to this identity verification, right? Um, so we do have a provisional patent filed on something in our um, in our consumer business at this point. Um, as far as the clinical trials, um, I think it's going to be an interesting space. At the end of the day, it is siloed, even you know within most of the pharma companies, that data is siloed. So early stage, as far as what can we really do, what can we kind of hack away at? Um, there, but at the end of the day, again, it's not about the technology. Uh, it's about the specific use cases. Because you could argue that there's, you know, secure file transfer protocols. Yes, it's old school stuff, right? Um, but that's never been um, the, the challenge. The challenge is getting some of these machines moving, and I mean, machines are big organizations, to understand what's the impact um, to the user, right? Are you doing any... Sorry, I didn't mean to take this over. I just... I got, <laughs> okay, I, I, it always go does. Ahead. It's okay. I hardly ever see you. Um, are you doing any work with um, EMR? Or can you talk about any work you're doing with EMR vendors like Allscripts? No. Okay. What about Thanks. what about uh, counterfeit medicine supply chain? That's also one of the big applications uh, for for blockchain. Yeah, so the, there there were some research done, but again, I think from um, and I would also say that when I first came into Bayer, uh, somebody told me if only Bayer knew what Bayer knows, right? It's the hundred thousand employees. There's a lot of energy enthusiasm, a lot of innov innovators around the world. So I would almost say uh, there's a yes to almost every question. We just may not know about it. So. Samson, uh, did you come across any um, healthcare blockchain startups or solutions that convinced you so far? Because at the moment, um, blockchain is on the top of the hype curve. You know, so by two, 2030, we are supposed to come into kind of the easygoing stage of implementation. There's more than uh, according to our data, there's more than 60 uh, healthcare uh, blockchain projects. But on the other hand, when it comes to ICOs and uh, startups that are trying to uh, redefine 
the the economy with new tokens there's you mentioned yesterday on on your panel that there's been there's 16000 cryptocurrencies at the moment and this year only there has already been 2000 ICOs and there's like 3000 currently ongoing so an ICO is when a startup issues tokens to get funding and those tokens have to have some use cases um and it's a new currency basically so there's around 1600 not 16,000 yet. There's around 1,600 ICOs that are currently out. Our tokens are cryptocurrencies that are currently out. Um, there are another 3,000 who are already launched this year. And so I love it because right now we haven't seen one that's pulled ahead. But there was a great infographic I was looking at how like uh, when Amazon first launched, it was worth 5% of all the big box stores. Now, today, it's worth more than all the other big box stores put together. And so it's a great thing because I love initial coin offerings or ICOs because they're a blockchain education, awareness, and adoption campaign. Yes, there's a bubble. It will pop. What comes out of that bubble, that's where you're going to go from whoever was the AOL to whoever's going to be the Amazon or the Googles. So we have to go. It's an innovation is an iterative process. So we do need the, we do need the people to flow through and fail so that we can get to the one or two that are actually going to bring those uh, faster miracles to society because uh, obesity, diabetes, uh, uh, it's just a whole range of health issues that we all face. They're not going anywhere, particularly as technology makes us more sedentary. I have a Fitbit that reminds me constantly I'm not exercising. <laughs> and so there's tons of opportunity in the space. Who will, who will reign supreme? I'm, I, for one, am looking forward to finding out. And we only have one minute left to go. So does anyone have any special remark on how to uh, approach blockchain in healthcare? Did you read any books that you would recommend? So anything for the audience? Uh, honestly, just take care of your health. The technology comes, and I think it's up to us, the innovators and the early adopters, to understand how that impacts our personal futures and our family and, and how do we live longer, happier. And yes, we need to study the, a lot of the technology and the impacts. Uh, but again, just focus on yourself and your own headspace a bit. Yeah. Go ahead. Uh, blockchain is a technology. It's like Linux or Drupal or Raspberry Pi. It's, it's a technology where we need emphasis is on the policy side that says, here's the, here we are strategically going to move forward this way. Um, so yeah, I'm just, I would, I would echo, um, it's not techno technology is not the problem. I mean, this is a highly technical concept, but it's absolutely about, um, the health economics and about, um, you know, the, the, the clinical evidation of, of what we're trying to achieve here. So technology will always come and, and fix the thing that's fixable, but that's where we should be focusing. Thank you, everyone, for coming. I'm really happy that we have such a lively crowd here. And, um, yeah, I'm just going to, you know, use the last uh, few seconds to just say, check Erio. It's iryo.io. We have four really nice videos explaining how we are integrating blockchain uh, into research for managers and for patients. And... Uh, don't worry if you don't understand blockchain yet. Uh, in 10 years' time, everybody's just going to say blockchain the same way we say Wi-Fi or Internet and nobody really bothers on the details on how it works. Thanks. This was the seventh episode of Faces of Digital Health. 
check out other episodes as well. So far this year, I covered innovation with startup health, approaches to mental health issues, employee benefits and digital health. And if you look at the older episodes, you can find information on how Dubai, Israel, Africa, India, the US and many other countries are approaching healthcare innovation and implementation. Check the podcast blog on Medium and you can easily find it by typing Faces of Digital Health in search. Stay tuned.